This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. T.L. Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week, and I'm joined by my co-host Daniel Prue, sitting at Navigation. Daniel, uh, you know... All these planets you've been taking us to, you know, what, like, they seem to often have things in orbit that I just really don't want to go near. Is there a way we can avoid those kind of troublesome planets? I mean, they they do have warp capability, but I don't know. Can there be a list or something? Like, uh, I need a triple A guide to the stars. Do you have anything like that? A triple A guide to the stars? Yeah, I mean... uh... I think all of our listeners know, Darren, you're the one that lives in California. I don't know why you're asking me for that. Are you saying the Automobile Association of America doesn't exist outside of California? Well, well, no, no, no. But to the stars, Darren, to to the stars. okay, okay. (laughs) I see, I see. I was going to say that the to the stars, that's actually like a five cent map printed on the back of a McDonald's placemat. No, listen, listen. Where they get those, yeah. Look, Look, I get it, right? California is special and great. I, I have AAA. I mean, AAA. it's the most amazing state ever. That's all I, I'm saying. But. I have AAA, Darren. I wasn't talking about AAA. I was talking about to the stars. That's that's all I was saying. To well, the stars. To Enterprise, <laughs> Enterprise AAA. That's going to be really far in the future, guys. I mean, they'll have gone through the double A's and the double B. Yeah. But, well, I'm also joined, as you heard, uh, shouting to the stars by Philip Gilfus. And Philip, you know, you've been down in the computer court doing a lot of research for that triple doctorate that you're able to earn in the Federation Times. Uh, What are you studying right now? And why do you have every version of the word uh, Feklar written out in, uh, what what is that, Comic Sans? No, that's some sort of script. I can't quite tell. Look, um, I've been working on my novel and I told you not to read the pads yet, Darren. It's not ready to be read. Um, Is it one pad per chapter or one pad per page? I just I need to know. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I and I've been, um, you know, I've gotten out. I've, I've been talking with some interesting people down here in the computer core. Though I'm told no one is actually assigned down here. Um, but I, I think, like for some reason, the more I go to the colder part of the ships, the more my mind starts to clear up. You know, I, I hear that if you look in the mirror and say Feklar three times, <laughs> <laughs> it appears behind you. But uh. well, well, you know, one thing also, since I've been stuck down here, I've actually been playing around with the consoles. That's why Daniel is at Navigation, which, of course, doesn't exist here on the Enterprise D. But I've decided to make his controls to Navigation. No, that's true. Well, as you may have been able to guess, but I'm guessing not, uh, we're going to be talking about supernatural beings in TNG and it's kind of hard to actually just keep it to TNG because there's actually a lot more supernaturalness going on 
out in I mean you got the prophets and you have Apollo and and other other things you know in the other Star Trek series but what I wanted to focus on were not so much their powers or the you know different abilities they have cuz I mean lots of aliens have different abilities but more how they are like either a worshiped figure or revered figure or how they impact the society that they're attached to. So I think we're going to jump right in to Philip's favorite and the great Edo God, not the space station that we later see. I mean, this is totally different, but I mean, Philip in, in justice, when in a world of justice, you know, obviously a lawless world. <laughs> Is this world. a Batman v Superman trailer right here? In a world of justice. No, no, no. no. I've actually, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you started this topic, Darren, because I've got my notes about Castiel and uh, Sam and Dean. And I think this is going to, what, what you said, supernatural elements, not, su- wait, this isn't the supernatural crossover? No. No, this you is know, not you know how the many ships I've crossover. created, and I'm not talking about the things you fly in. Oh man, okay, well, fine. All right, well, okay, fine. We'll we'll talk. But yeah, I I think, and I will always say this, and I've always said it that hashtag justice exclamation point is one of the best episodes of TNG that combines so many different elements because it's a story about the Prime Directive, it's a story about Sex Planet, it's a story about religion, it's a story about all those things put together. And so when it comes to the Edo um, caretaker, um, wink. Um, <coughs> He's a much better caretaker his, than some other caretakers we know. <laughs> just, just putting it out there. Um, because and it's it's a much more his role with the Edo is much more that caretaker. Like I mean, you know, to to just use the word God, like but but a godlike being or or God. To the, I mean, they call them God. Uh, that that Edo guardian. Um, or, or, you know, and that's the debate. You know, I know some people teach on um, the Enterprise D school that it's called the Edo Guardian, <laughs> and others teach that it's called God. But, but we won't get into that. But anyway, um, but, but it's, it's much, he's very powerful. Um, or he, she, it, whatever you want to call it, uh, the Guardian, um, of forever. <laughs> Um, and and I that think it's, cousin, it's one of the most more the of forever. You know, it, they kind of have the same speech patterns, don't they? Right? <laughs> they they kind of have those echoey voices. Mm-hmm. No, you shall not do this. Now that will be that was and will be and whatever. <laughs> and the ship's shaking. It's kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they make stuff shake, and, and it's very powerful. And and I mean it's it's almost I would say one of the more, more powerful things that the Enterprise has ever encountered because they don't beat because it's it. not one of the like it, yeah it's a total mystery it's almost like the first ones that well for those who watch Babylon Five um, so stop I mean, with the ships okay you don't know anything jeez <laughs> um, and it's sort of like it's literally half in our world half in another dimension. Um, and it, you know, I, I feel like it's a little tenuous, or tenuous exactly what it does for the, the Edo, other than just like protect them. I guess um, it's, you know, it's not like oh, I send energy like the caretaker, or I you know whatever. It's just more like I protect them from anyone. Um, and so when the Enterprise starts with their crazy Wesley sweaters, it's like hello, none of that <laughs> for this Eden world. So, but but we don't really get a, a strong for lack of a better word, religious society 
in a lot of, I would say like on, on the religious spectrum of worlds we've encountered in Star Trek, not just in um, Next Generation. I mean, they're on the, the far side of the scale of, of a religious world. Well, that's true. You get the Bajorah, you know, <laughs> which get a whole series pretty much dedicated to their religion. And that's a good point, Philip, where, yeah, there's, you know, for these just one-off episodes, you'd have to think, like, do the Beta Zeds have, like, a god? Do, you know, it's like, we, they just don't go into it for a lot of these societies, unless the unless we're yeah, a god of the mind. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but the Justice God is, or the Edo Guardian, sorry, of not forever. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a good example um, because, like I said, they don't beat it. It it basically like Picard Picards it into out of a stalemate. Basically, I just verbed Picard, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's the the Canadian of of conclusions. Um, it's just a tie. <laughs> they sorry it. Um, but but it's 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 no no I'm I'm kidding. But um, it's it's interesting because um. The Edo, and I'm trying to remember because they don't, you know, she's like goes crazy when she actually sees the thing because she actually she recognizes it, which is weird because there's no mm. real reason why she should recognize that that's God, but she knows it when she sees it. Apparently, much, much like pornography, um, and and <laughs> it's just very interesting that how you know how does that work? Of you know how do how did you know like the prophets send the orbs? Like how right. do the Edo Edo know about their God? Yeah, it, it it's now like in my head, and I kind of had done this before, but maybe not explicitly. But now I'm kind of comparing these super powerful supernatural beings that we get in Trek. So now I'm like, if the Edo met the Edo God, <laughs> do we get? A I'm name? now I'm now picturing the uh, uh, a Pokemon scenario. Yes, exactly, like, exactly. Like on a Game Boy, Edo God. Edo Guardian uses shake. It was super effective. So we've got the so we've got the Edo Guardian here, and then we've got the caretaker, and it's like who caretaker uses die and did does it work like. What? Who's to say that the caretaker <laughs> caretaker uses banjo? <laughs> the Edo guardian is lulled into his false sense of security and lets down its guard. <laughs> caretaker abducts two of the Edo for t- testing. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, like think about it. We don't know how these be like. We would have to assign some arbitrary power level, and I would guarantee you that these these two creatures would have a power level. Of over nine thousand, um, but but <laughs> that is a great character sheet. But but uh, like if the Edo, no, say the caretaker pulled the Edo guardian through the array or whatever. I, I can't remember. You know, th- into the Delta Quadrant. Who would? Uh, how would that conversation go? Uh, I'm just curious now. Well, I think on some level they understand each other both being guardians of a planet, but I think the Edo God would be really upset because he's not at his planet anymore. And yeah, I don't, it'd be an interesting conversation. I mean, wait, wait, it's some sort of like weird, like wife swap episode <laughs> where like they swap the Edo and the caretaker. And the, um, <laughs> the caretaker's now orbiting. No, no. And the, the um, justice planet. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm just, here's some energy. And they're like, why, why do we, why do we need this? Yeah, the Ocampo are like, why why are we not wearing clothes anymore? Yeah, the, the caretaker's like, today enforce death penalty in all sections. 
<laughs> and that's why justice rocks. Yes, that is why justice rocks. Okay, moving on to the n- name of this episode, Faklar, otherwise known as uh, Audra. Ardra. Um, Ardra. I see. I can't remember her name. Is it always capitalized in the text? I can't tell. But in Devil's Due... Did she not lift one piece of trash off the ground? <laughs> but yeah, this is a great... You know, I, now I want to see like a super cut of all the times Picard's in like a uh, court system and just, just him going from retort to retort to retort, just round and round. Oh, that'd be interesting. But yeah, but in this episode... Wait, wait, are you pitching some sort of, like, Star Trek Matlock, <laughs> where it's Jean-Luc? If I knew the theme to Matlock, I would hum it right now, but unicorn. unfortunately that escapes me. Maybe a little Perry Mason or something. But yes, that's exactly what I'm pitching. And of course, Data is the judge. And he's also on trial of his sentience at the same time. It's amazing. But... So, yeah, so in this one, it's it's different because, again, I, like I said, I wanted to focus on not so much the godlike beings, but how they are interacting in their societies. And obviously, this one is not so much the patron as the I've come to collect and you've made a bargain. And it's, you know, like you were just mentioning, Philip, in the very end of the episode, Picard describes how, well, even if this was a bargain or even if this is something that was made in the past, it, it wasn't her who did the good works that rebuilt your society. It was you, you know, take credit for it and, you know, cut her out basically. So this, I don't remember the name of the people, but you know, they're just, but they seem like a normal kind of industrialized society that just, you know, is working on bettering themselves kind of, getting towards that federation standpoint no no i was i was gonna say well of course daniel is our expert here not only because he bizarrely likes this episode <laughs> but he did a whole the ready room on this. that's oh, right. that's true that's right if anybody is interested listen to the ready room insert episode number here uh where we all talk about <laughs> that's not how the force works daniel i gotta go find the episode and i gotta put it in here <laughs> Uh no yeah we do we do talk about that uh it was was over a hundred I'll tell you that there's there's an episode of the ready room over episode one hundred where we talk about well that really narrows it down <laughs> Daniel uh but you know so it this is episode the ready and- room one eighty five space mystery Inc boom all right you heard it from Philip uh so one eighty five but uh, yeah we talk about this and I feel like this episode and one we'll talk about in a little while I'm sure. Uh, who watches the watchers kind of lays out the attitude and the philosophy and uh, c- the the viewpoint that TNG has towards these uh, these supernatural elements, which is I will say it diplomatically as extremely skeptimistic. Skeptimistic. I literally just made up a word. So there you go. <laughs> I meant to say extremely that skeptical and optimistic at the yes, same yes, time. Yes, yes, yes. yes, it was. That is extremely skeptically. Uh Picard's entire point in this this episode uh essentially is to kind of disprove this following that 
this false Ardra has amassed and uh, kind of shows her as as a scam artist. Uh, and it's a real I mean, I like the message of the episode. I think it's really well done. And uh, it's just it's really uh, it's a fun, funny episode. And I think it has a lot to say about these kinds of characters, uh, you know, in the TNG kind of style. Well, you know, I mean, I know, you know, Daniel, but it's interesting. That this is actually if, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong. Was this a leftover TOS episode or was this a phase two episode? It was a phase two episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Because, I mean, sort of TOS sort of has its sort of uh, God-killing uh, themes, episodes. Um, and so it's sort of interesting. Some even movies. This is sort of the, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and this is sort of the devil-killing episode. <laughs> so we've killed so. God and we've killed the devil. So what's left? We're like Klingons. Yeah, that's right. We killed our gods. We it's killed like, our gods. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. That kind of says all you need to know about a society, pretty much. It like, really It's. <laughs> It says like, a lot. Don't, for don't sure. mess with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was an interesting. But, but it's a, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, sort of the interesting thing of, and I don't know, because I know this is something y'all discussed on the Ready Room episode, Daniel, but is it believable that you have this, what appears to be, and we don't know, but what appears to be a very secular um, society? Um, and then suddenly one of its traditions, myths, religions, whatever you, you want to call it, appear, and then they're all like, yeah, no, we're going back to that. It's been 2,000 years or however long it was, but... Yeah, no, the the framework of the actual episode is pretty weak in, in that respect, um, but the message is very clear. So it's... Never trust a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it like... The, Who appears out of nowhere. It, like, it, you know, the way... And shakes the, the earth. The story is laid out... Uh, in the fact that, uh, oh, oh my goodness, we pulled, you know, essentially we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. Our society was crumbling and collapsing. And but we did all the work to actually do things to make it better. But then we kind of give all of the uh, credit to this creature, to this to this godlike being. Uh, kind of a weird situation. It's, it's kind of hard. To, but, but you understand what they're saying. So you kind of give it a pass. At least I do, because I love that episode. We'll we'll give it a pass, Daniel, on on your behalf. That's good because I wouldn't have I wouldn't want Fecklar to visit you there in your bedroom, Darren. Nah, you know I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We do get a Fecklar reference, I believe, later on in Voyager, right? I believe Balana mentions Fecklar. Yeah, I think she does in in Bar- uh, Barge of the Dead. Yeah. Now, I mean, and this is interesting. What is, because I can't, I can't remember, what is Worf's reaction to Fekla? Oh, boy, Daniel? you're putting me on the spot. I don't I think he kind of gives him a look kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Even the, like, he doesn't look like, oh, my gosh, you're actually Fekla. He kind of still looks like, eh, I could take you. <laughs> <laughs> I always pictured him taller. Yeah. Oh, I think, I'm pretty sure he just mentions that uh, Fekla is the, uh, the, uh, not Stovlacor, which is the Klingon heaven, but the opposite. Uh, Grethel. Oh, I know. I'm trying Gre- to remember. Yeah, yeah. It's in Bart. Yeah, 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 there you go. Uh, just mentions, basically just gives the backstory of, of who of who. Oh, that that's is, right. So. He, he has to exp, exp, uh, expel whatever that word is. <laughs> We're making up verbs all over the place tonight. <laughs> but, yeah. Let's see. Worf, you know, Worf's a very special person. He meets Feklar and Supernatural Kalis. words. I mean, that's in his true. lifetime, that's pretty impressive. Worf has met, has met 
Klingon he's Lucifer. Gonna write, he's going to write the Book of Warf. And Klingon and Jesus. He, he uh, man, Klingon he is Jesus. like, oh, yeah. yeah, all over the place. Uh, okay. Well, like you mentioned, Daniel, you can't talk about primitive beings or just a planet of the week and encountering a godlike being without talking about who watches the Watchers because of the Picard. And the, yeah, I mean, this one has a very s- specific message of, uh, I mean, psh, Star Trek Into Darkness could learn, uh, Enterprise, don't park yourself uh, right next to a pre-warp civilization because they're going to start drawing you in their parchments. But yes, but in this one, obviously, they hear Picard and thus believe he's a deity. It's a little interesting. I mean, because they don't actually see him for a while. I don't know. There's a couple of leaps in there, but it's it's pretty fleshed out. Uh, can, are we doing the whole episode, the rest of the episode about who watches the watchers? Because no, uh, no, we're not. We have a couple <laughs> no, okay. other things. On All right, list. I'll try to temper my my enthusiasm then. Uh, um, yeah, three I mean, minutes, who, Daniel. No. <laughs> of course. Yeah, because I believe we, we would have to negotiate for your services. <laughs> for for you, Daniel, I give two minutes for your gallant <laughs> debate. <laughs> uh yes, of course. I mean. Fans of the show will know there are there, there's no shortage of appreciation of of watchers here from me. Um, I, I will say, and maybe I'm. Oh, hold on, hold on. Is that what you call fans oh, of yes, this episode? We are the watchers. watchers. Yeah, absolutely. Because because we are the one watching the watchers. So we're actually we're the watcherers. Oh, so you're actually answering the question <laughs> of the episode. Uh, but no, uh, you know, I love this episode. I actually. I like what it says about the, the the supernatural and the religious, and I think, and maybe I'm biased because of the of my worldview, but uh, I do I think that it kind of lays out the Star Trek. I think this is kind of the quintessential Star Trek uh, opinion and and uh, view on r- religions and superstitions and stuff like that. Um, and the fact that it it, it it looks at it in a a completely scientific, secular-based way, but never, ever passes judgment on it. Uh, and, you know, Picard understands where this, where this woman is coming from, but, you know, he's not deserving of it. This is not, this is not how, this, this is just, we are just, essentially. Uh, you tell that to Picard later when he's wearing Corgano's mask and he's totally <laughs> passing himself off as a god. I mean, he did not learn that lesson well. Look, look, Darren, if someone asks if you're a yeah, god, that's true. you replicate an appropriate mask and you wear it. <laughs> but Who Watches the Watchers is just a fantastic episode and uh, and just kind of ultimately how I feel like how I feel Star Trek kind of addresses this issue. Well, and besides the, you know, the religious aspects, it's kind of a heist episode because the fact that some of their crew is being held hostage and, you know, there's that kind of uncertainty of how are these people going to react because they're now making choices, but not necessarily logical choices, just choices based off of raw faith. And that, you know, can often, as history has proven, lead to, you know, very interesting situation. So, I mean, there's that aspect of the episode. There's, you know, I, I don't know if we've discussed who who played a godlike being better. If if this episode took place like with Kirk or with Janeway or with Cisco, like what each of them would do. But I think Picard kind of takes the best 
answer, you know, that he can. I mean, he's just like, thankfully they weren't uh, a whoa, musket whoa, whoa, wielding whoa. society. Are you asking me how Cisco would react? <laughs> okay. Are you asking me how Cisco would react if people That's thought true. he was a god? <laughs> let, let me try to imagine it really I think, hard, uh, Darren. If, if, I'm going to just. If he Cis- might embrace it. And, yeah, uh, no, Cisco would, would, yeah. would move to this planet and build build a house on it and live there for and the rest of his life. And a clock and a ship. <laughs> he would just build all sorts of things. <laughs> That's true. Okay, except for Cisco, I mean Kirk or Janeway or Archer, you know, we could we could figure. Well, you know, it's interesting because Watchers is similar to um, the unnamed planet of Devils Do, where you have a society. I mean, you know, a little bit more earlier in development, but that's you know, quote unquote, secular and logical. But they have these past traditions of the way back, um, and then suddenly they're like, "It's back right. again." And it's so like Voldemort, he's how... back, <laughs> you know, and everything goes sideways. <laughs> but. No, no, I mean, those are just, that's panic, Darren. Stop trying to alarm. Everything is fine, people. The ministry says everything <laughs> is fine. <laughs> uh, stop trying to ship across into other lines, Philip. Jeez. This isn't the 602 Club. Now, <laughs> now uh, the next one on my list it's, you know, we meet him in the pilot, and we've talked a lot. We've done episodes, we've done commentaries, we've talked about Voyager and crossovers. Yeah, you know, we could even do a whole Bridgemates about this guy. It's it's Q. And, you know, unlike R or T or even S, you know, he's just you know, he he's he plays himself as a god, but I, I would almost kind of like to see an episode where Q is doing that to like another planet instead of just Picard. Cause you know, he does. You know, I, I will say, I don't think that he, he plays himself off as a God. I, I do think he plays himself off as better than humanity, which for all intents and purposes, he is. I mean, right. I mean, I guess, except maybe you could argue the, the moral, the ethical kind of argument there that no, that no human would do the kinds of silly, torturous things that he does to the people. But uh, really, I, I, I honestly, that he, I mean, he is, he, he, he doesn't play himself off as a God. He, he just uh, knows how, how much more powerful and how much stronger he is than every other being almost that he encounters. When he does have a lot of power, but there's still things that he doesn't do. Like he doesn't create life and he doesn't, he's not ob- omniscient in the fact that he knows everything that's going to happen. He's not, he doesn't appear to be omnipresent. He doesn't create life, Darren. Then where does this puppy <laughs> uh, he, 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 he plucked them from uh, the dimensional <laughs> void. I don't know. But, but or where did that mariachi band come from, Darren? Where there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good question. Um, we never, we've never really talked about Q's his power his limitations. Um, Welcome to Metatrex. And I don't know that. I, I really, again, I do agree that I don't think he's omniscient. He definitely doesn't know everything because he would uh, he never. He acts surprised, or yeah, he, sure. or he hides it really well. But I don't think. No, I don't. I don't think he is. I think he could be omniscient. And the fact that, like, I. Th- no, no, you're merely perceiving <laughs> what he. Yeah, I don't know. 
Well, you know, it's you know, and again, not to get meta trekky, but like you know, in some ways, you know, what is a god? In other words, like Q doesn't have followers, or he doesn't. That we know. Of. I mean, anything, I'm sure there's a planet somewhere he yeah. set himself up as a deity. Like, yeah, that has yeah. I feel like there's some reference. Maybe it was in DS9 with the Vash episode or something where she made reference to it or something. But, um, you know, he's, I mean, he is the – this is an original. He's, he is the more the trickster, yeah. the Mr. He's Mc, the low-key like, of if the – If you will. Mixel Pitalik. Wow, good Mixel, reference there. Mixel Pitalik. Um, but yeah, but the thing go. is that Q is a race as well. And that's mm. why he can't – And how do we treat that race, Daniel? <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> We tell it to go away. <laughs> Get off my you. bridge. But yeah, no, that's a good point. And it has rules and it has, you know, they have a society. They have, they have a home base. They, I mean, yeah, but, but I think there's like a spectrum of, of what, like, what would be another word for that? Like, um, like, like, a uh, like, well, it's like a spectrum. It don't come to me, but like, so there's, there's, but yeah, there's sort of those ordered rules that he even reports to. Because, I mean, it's interesting about – I mean, you think about, like, the non-Enterprise people, including Guinan. I mean, I would, you know, she is the Enterprise people, I know. But, you know, she had other experience with – you have the uh, Calamarain. Um, Count to four. <laughs> you know, I'm oh, wait, just like, thinking about – Yeah. How the different people he's encountered, you know, how do they view them? Because we just – you know, the Enterprise just uses them as an annoyance. Right. Um Though, I don't know, in Hiding Q, I, I'll have to watch that again one of these days. That was, there was a little more awe there. Even, I mean, that was sort of just the second time, though. I mean, how um, did, you know, Prince John view him? I mean, that's really important. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting, too, right? Uh, taking a little bit of a more broader approach to the subject, uh, you're not going to be awed. You're not going to be wowed. You're not going to feel the need to worship something like these amazing things that were that they've been encountering when this happens twice a year to you when this happens yeah. you know every other month if you come across a, a species that that you, you think know, Q appears on the equinox well that, I'm, that's I what mean, I'm not the ship the, <laughs> no 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 you know, he was never not, on not the, just, the USS equinox you know taking it like from the enterprise like the enterprise's perspective they encountered Q on their first adventure I mean, really, at that point, any other kind of godlike beings or religious figures, uh, at best, at best, they might they might seem comparable. So, are you saying that they compare all of their uh, other supernatural beings in some sort of Q continuum of where <laughs> they are on the Q continuum scale? Is it the alphabet scale? I just I don't I don't think that there is it's like like there's a class in planet. It's like this is a class Q god. <laughs> Between A and Q, where does it rank? I don't I don't feel like Star Trek presents a supernatural perspective to anything. Right. I feel like there is ultimately um, a, a rational, uh, secular, scientific basis for everything that happens in that universe. And if we don't understand it, we don't understand it. But we don't say that, like, we don't get how Q can do the things he does. But he does them. And we recognize that that is reality, but we don't give him special privilege for doing those things. We just say that, whatever, he's maybe he's further evolved or he can, you know, he's just... Re- has better technology. Better technology or whatever. It's never like, it's always just a, uh, like, 
Philip keeps mentioning, it's a continuum and it's yeah. a spectrum. And they it's, don't revere him. They, yeah, exactly. Nobody gets uh, special treatment because of their power level, like I said, which is obviously over 9,000. Well, I mean, and it reminds me of, you know, as I'm doing my DS9 rewatch, a lot of, and I'm trying not to be critical, um, but, I, but like a lot of the times with the prophets and even the power race, there's magic, in my opinion, that like it, the only way to explain it is just like, I don't know, it's, it's prophet magic. You know, I don't know why yeah. this makes sense. Lazy writing, magic. yeah. Well, no, no, no. I mean, no, it's purposeful that this is, ma- you know, and, and they don't call it magic. I mean, you want to call it what you will, you know, whatever. The, but prophets just have this thing of they can have these powers. But like Daniel says, and I'm sure this is, there's probably going to be some examples that people will think of. But in TNG, it's never magic. It's always like, oh, no, we found out there's an energy converter and the, you know, or there was a transmognifier yeah, there's a ship. or, you know. Yeah, whereas, I mean, Deep Space Nine is just like, no, it's, and, and again, I'm, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, it's just true. Sort of like, DS9 no, doesn't try to explain the prophets. I mean, even exactly. though they call them wormhole aliens, but that's as much as they I, You know, I, 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 I've heard this argument before, and I have to disagree with it. I, I totally, I mean, we were literally just talking about the Edo, Edo Guardian and the Caretaker. I, I kind of lump the, uh, uh, the wormhole aliens slash prophets in that same category as these pretty powerful beings that kind of only care about one planet seemingly for whatever reason. And they're, they aren't, they are given kind of special powers, but that's okay. They aren't given these supreme powers and they can't do all, they can't control everything. They can't change the fate of whatever. Like I, Again, I understand the the Space Nine Daniel. Immaculate con- what about con- what about the? Uh... <laughs> I mean, like w- everything that happens on Deep Space Nine happens in that system, and it is re- I mean, like imagine if all of TNG. So it's localized magic. It is. I mean, it is essentially magic, but except for a side trip to Earth. But like, okay, season seven, wink. Well, here we are. We're talking. We're talking about all these different characters in TNG. And how many different godlike beings have we encountered in TNG more powerful than the prophets in Deep Space Nine? Well, obviously, Q is way more powerful than the prophets ever were. Kevin is way more powerful than the prophets. Uh, I mean, we could probably list five characters in TNG more powerful. I can count than the five prophets. godlike beings I've met before you, prophet. <laughs> Just boom, boom, but boom. But how many boom, of them boom. have glowy eyes and <laughs> and inhabit people then have spiritual fights on the promenade and then have fire caves and- <laughs> fire caves on one planet by the way so yeah. i guess my point is just is just uh while deep space nine definitely does the most to explore uh spirituality and religion which is fine i'm just saying that when you look at it from a certain perspective it actually can be completely viewed through a uh a a non or let's just say a secular lens and it is presented in a way that all of the other characters all of the other like for example o'brien looks at all of this in that great in that one episode where they go back in time um on that planet in the delta quadrant he's like these aren't my you know uh what was it the one episode they go back in time Oh, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you mean trials and tribulations? No, no. 
Uh, oh no, no. Okay, you mean Children of Time? Chil- is it? No, that, is that it? No, that's not it. Is it Children of Time? I'm no, pre- I'm naming all the time travel oh, okay. ones until you but tell me which one you're talking about. It might yeah. be Children of Time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's like you know, and and other time. Oh, and I think Worf at some point. Like these aren't my gods. Oh, Time's Orphan. Not Time's Orphan. No. <laughs> and so you can always kind of you can always view that experience through other characters lenses and it's like no this isn't surprising that this is happening and and q even isn't like like janeway has read files about q and so it's not such a crazy thing that this exists in this universe that's all i'm saying no no, is that the q files (laughs) yes yes the truth is in the continuum i don't know i don't know (laughs) Well, but like I mean, like oh, like you man. said, I I think not to pull out the wormhole aliens again, but like you know the prophets are always very, for lack of a better word, mysterious or at least nonsensical. Um, <laughs> whereas you have Q, who's just like so present, like he's not like the Edo guardian, he's not shrouded, he's not like Kevin, who probably looks different than what he appears. Which I guess that's cute too as well. But anyway, um, but you know Q is just like I'm here. I'm just chilling. I'm, you know, eating Sundays and getting stabbed with forks. You know, I mean, he's so he's like he's. There's nothing mysterious. I mean, there is. But there's, but he doesn't present himself as mysterious. He's sort of like I'm here wearing your uniform. Let's talk for 45 minutes. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, if you're talking about mysterious godlike beings, I think Nagilum is definitely up there as he places the Enterprise in a maze. Now, there's not nearly as much talk about him as, you know, he's only in one episode. But, again, with his powers... Or I, is he? Did the uh, Enterprise ever leave? The, the, the experiment never ended, John luke <laughs> I have been helping you travel through time. <laughs> nah, it's not quite. But, but, I mean, he obviously... You know, we talked to earlier about, you know, do some of these creatures have just powers or are they manipulating things or do they have technology? But a lot of things that Nagilum does from, you know, making the enterprise be stuck like in a position, like it can't escape to uh, our favorite, you know, face clutching ensign in the con, you know, gets fried mentally or somehow dies. You know, it doesn't look very pleasant, but you know, it's like, well, but they, I'm sure their shields were up. I'm sure they had measures in place, yet nothing stopped whatever that was, a technology, a, a wave, something from another dimension. But, you know, he definitely had abilities that maybe not as powerful as a Q on our A to Q scale, but he definitely could do things, you know, that we can't explain. You know, our writers can, but we can't. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, because I look at, that kind of a being. And again, he doesn't present himself as a guy. Like he's just a different powerful life form. Um, like, like he's big. He's literally bigger. You know, again, if he, we don't know what he really looks like, cause he actually says he's presenting himself based on how humans look. And it just does a terrible job. He's the Odo of oh, God. Um, that's an insult anyway, to uh, change things <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> that, that's changeling ist. Um, but anyway, you know, and, and so we don't really know what he looks like or what he appears or what's his nature. But he's just like uh, on the scale of of beings, he's just you know five race levels up. Um, you know, just like uh, how elves and gnomes are four levels down. It's it's just the circle of life. 
<laughs> I really do like uh, Darren. Uh, the A to Q scale. <laughs> I think that's really funny. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense because, you know, A, you have ants, and Q, you have Q. And then we can fit everybody else somewhere in, in between. <laughs> well, K is, K, K is for Kevin. <laughs> K is yeah, for Kevin. Like, if we're doing our God reader. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's see. <laughs> but, but e like, is for you know, Edo like, God. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Because, um, you know, as I think about this, because, um, you know, he at least, you know, it, whatever, presents himself as like, oh, I'm a scientist. I'm like you. I'm an explorer. And I talk funny. <laughs> um, but so he doesn't present himself as like the Edo Guardian does or like uh, Q does or, or anything like that. Um, but like uh, as I think about supernatural el- elements. Stop trying to make this crossover happen. <laughs> um, I'm just saying if you have the an angel. Anyway, um, but um, like for instance where no one has gone before – where you have the mind and mm. propulsion and dimensions, I mean, we could say, oh, well, that's there's a scientific explanation. But, I mean, and I don't know, you know, I think you get into the quantum physics, this is sort of not my, my bag, but, like, that starts to get to the outside realm of, I can explain this, we all think happy thoughts and we'll all get returned home. It's like, well... That's scientific, you know, but I mean, so I feel like that's almost supernatural in that there's no being mm, other yeah. than the traveler. But I mean, he's sort of focusing, he's not necessarily he's a lens, source, which doesn't make yeah. any sense whatsoever. But no, no, that's true. The, the traveler is uh, not well, someone interesting that we ne- we didn't really talk about, but and, and that little engineer guy is his familiar, right? Well, I had one or two honorable mentions. Obviously, we have Kevin the Great and Powerful. And while he, yeah, he's definitely up there on the A to Q scale because, you know, with a thought, he erased an entire species from, now I don't know if it was from existence like at that moment or as if they never existed, but I'm kind of thinking it was more of at that moment because otherwise, like, the destruction would never have happened to his planet and you start to get a Doc Mc you know doc brown paradox going and no 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 i'm it, i'm pretty sure it's from existence because oh, wow. uh that scene he explains who this if i remember correctly and and forgive me listeners if i don't but he explains who this race is and who they were and he says they did this terrible thing and then i just i poofed them i poofed them from everything the writing in this season is just so amazing <laughs> <laughs> all about good tea and Chewbacca traps. <laughs> um, yeah, and, I, and and I'm trying to remember, does he say anything about, like, I know he say, says about his, like, oh, I'm a whatever. I think he says what uh, he is. But anyway. Daoud. Daoud. Yeah, right, which, uh, the accent's off. But anyway, yeah. Um, no, but, you know, like. <laughs> Sorry. Many, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, how many are there? And you know, what, is, what is the status yeah. of that? Because ex- like, he says, like, and I don't, again, like it's been a long time, but I'm a Dowd or like I'm part of the Dowd or like what is the nature of Is there a Dowd cloud that he downloads from? Dowd cloud. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's, 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 where would they exist on You this, continue on up in the Dowd cloud. It totally makes sense. <laughs> Wait, is this like Android versus Apple? <laughs> uh, I think we all know which one's better between those two. Uh, the Dowd cloud is the best name. Well, you know, what's interesting to me, uh, right, is the fact that we've come across this being 
in this episode that has done literally one of the most egregious crimes that we can think of. Uh, and we have no way of dealing with it. We have literally, yeah. there's literally no way to even conceptually to even handle the situation. So they're like, um, we'll let you on this planet and leave you and never come Please back. Please don't but, do uh, that again. Just don't do it again. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like, like this, this being is so powerful that we have no way of restraining him anyways. He could erase humanity in, in an instant if he wanted to. And we just leave him there. And it's a and that's I even get, what Picard says. Doesn't he say something like, "We have no law against your crime"? Yes, like, yeah. we would never thought to put that down on our rules. You yeah. know, don't erase an entire species from existence. <laughs> Make it stop! Make it stop! <laughs> uh, so it's it is it's. It's an interesting uh, episode from that. How long have you had that in your pocket, Philip? <laughs> Just waiting for us to talk about Kevin. Sheesh. Sorry, go ahead, Daniel. I just, you know, it's just an interesting episode to talk about from that perspective because, like, say Q did some terrible thing and blew up a whole star system. Hey, I wasn't the one who misplaced the entire Deltivit asteroid belt. <laughs> You know, how, 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 what do we do? We can't do anything. Like, for all our posturing and, and claims and all of these things that we, like, we just, we go on and we do what we can, but we have, we have no effect on those kinds of things. Yeah, Philip, I think at first I thought you had an ice cream truck in your, in that room, which I was really confused <laughs> by. But, well, you would have heard me scream. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I think that's, I mean, you've already said it, but but like that's sort of an interesting challenge for Picard because it, it almost reminds me of something like it, and this is like a very loose uh, comparison, but it reminds me of the first Vidian encounter in Voyager, where like you know when, after Janeway learns that Neelix's lungs are in that guy, she's like, you know, you have my compassion you know because like she's like like, what can i do with these people i can't take the lung from him because that's against my value you know what do i do and it's sort of i feel like that's picard at the end of this episode of the survivors he's like you know i can't punish him you know what he's punishing himself fortunately yeah so like it's sort of like i just have to let you go and you know that's it well, I was going to mention the Ferengi from The Choice, but I think we'll go past that uh, from our honorable mention as people who set themselves as powerful beings on a planet. Because as we see in a later Voyager episode, they do just that. But Or is it The Price? Sorry, not The Choice. The Price. Yes. The yeah, price. I was wondering, like, yes. what? Yes. I think I know pretty much all of them. But... I just made up a new title called The Choice. Well, playing Feklar's advocate, Feklar <laughs> is not the only thing we've been doing here on Trek FM this week. Here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. You've heard Chief Trip sign on. Uh, I'm serious, Ken. Actually, out of the chair, please. Okay, okay. God. <laughs> I guess the Commodore has the con. <laughs> Earl Grey. 
Did you really write down Groppler Zorn on this list? <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> this is before he achieved Groppler rank. He was only a Soplar. He wasn't a Groppler that. What fruit did he like before he got to apples? <laughs> the orb. I want to hear Worf give a command sometime like, one quarter ramming speed. And then <laughs> yes. someone says, Captain. Regulation specifically states that we cannot go at one quarter ramming speed while we are in orbit of a planet. (laughs) (laughs) The ready room. To what extent is this episode, uh, you know, the, the writers and producers of Deep Space Nine turning the mirror back at the fans? You know, I mean, I think all of us Star Trek fans at one point or another probably retreat into this universe we love, Star Trek, that is it's a fictional world. What are you talking we were, about, Zachary? Are you, you suggesting that like, fans <laughs> might decide to buy microphones and like talk about it like it's real for hours on end? To the journey! Next one in line is Spirit Folk, and we already agreed that that is just not necessary for anybody, and let's not torture them with it. Good, let's move on. The characters in the Fairhaven Hollow program begin to suspect <laughs> the Voyager crew after they witness several supernatural occurrences. Commentary, Trek Stars. Tokyo Drift really is the perfect subtitle. Like, you could literally put Tokyo Drift onto the end of any movie, and it would instantaneously become a movie that you would have to see. Citizen Kane, Tokyo Drift. The 602 Club. I hate it when shows that are grounded in reality, but obviously they're not, and they have their characters go through socially important uh, experiences. Literary Treks. It is very much every one of the characters, you know, who, who finds themselves sort of pulled into the conflict that's the heart of this story they are reacting to a fear of the other meta treks i'd love to answer your question but i can't get the uh visual image out of my mind of <laughs> b arthur and betty white in starfleet miniskirts and go-go boots i can totally picture the golden girls as klingons <laughs> melodic treks what I decided to do was not only would I pick a six degree of separation, not only would I do it musically, but I was only going to do movies that were composed by people who had composed for Star Trek. Saturday Morning Trek. Dorothy had a little bit of a fit with the uh, animators. They had said over and over again, there is no moon in the Vulcan sky. I think it was like the first episode that aired of the original series when they mentioned this, because Uhura walks up to Spock and she's like, tell me I'm beautiful. Tell me that I would look good in your moon. And he's like, Vulcan has no moon. I'm not surprised. (laughs) That is an uncanny Uhura. Continuing mission. Yeah, and of course, another great thing is when it's it's all finished and you look at it and go, yeah, we made that together. Yeah, that's, that's one of the greatest moments. And people respond to it and say, oh, that's, that's pretty well made. The effects are great. The actors are, are great. Uh, even though they're Dutch trying to speak English, right? <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zoom. Visit the Trek.fm website for the full Trek experience. You can view our podcast directory to stream the audio from all of our shows. If you would like to contact us, just go to Trek.fm contact. From there, choose Message to a Trek.fm show and select Earl Grey. 
These messages will be relayed by Starfleet to the three of us. In social media, you'll find us on facebook.com slash trekfm, or join our Facebook listener discussion group called The Babel Conference. Find it by searching The Babel Conference on Facebook. Now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor this week, Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. This is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. There's one more way you can directly help us to keep Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting patreon.com slash trek.fm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek.fm patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all our great content. So please become a patron and visit patreon.com slash trek.fm today. So, Philip, if someone wanted to talk to you about uh, how you pray to the Edo God three times a day facing um you know that uh your dvd collection uh where would they find you well they can find me on the twitters my username is nc public servant that's nc for non-corporeal god being who makes it a sexy planet nice <laughs> and daniel if someone wanted to talk to you about uh your court case pretending to be the head of the one-up universe, where would they find you? Uh, well, they would find me uh, where I am the head of the one-up universe on Twitter at one-up Dan. That's the it's number one. It's a self-fulfilling one. prophecy. <laughs> That's <Dan>. exactly right. <laughs> Did you exactly not right. pick up one discarded game, Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> and that is the number one, not the word. Well, and if someone wanted to talk to me about, uh, as I'm actually putting together that uh, A to Q scale, I got A, E, F, K, and N, and P, and Q. So I got a couple more to, to flush out. They can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. Well, yeah, I feel we need to all rewatch. Um, which is it? We need to rewatch Devils Do because unlike Daniel, who actually did a great episode on this on, on the Ready Room, I think we need to brush up on our uh, godlike being law just in case. Now, now, you know, it was prophesized that Earl Grey would last for hundreds of episodes with posterity, but unfortunately, we will have to await the coming of Ardra. It's so good. Watch the episode, guys. It's so good. Well, no, I've seen the episode. No, no, no. Watch it again. It's so good. Yes, it'll bring a tear to your eye. (laughs) Yes, yes. All right, guys. Well, time to pop in that Blu-ray. I'm just kidding. I'm watching on Netflix, obviously. Until then, live long and prosper. Make it so. Endgame. Fire. Fire.